I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want you to stand. Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to call your attention to verse 22. Ephesians 5 and 22. This is what the Bible says. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. I've often noticed that the Scripture doesn't say, Wives, love your husbands. I wish it did. I wish it said, Wives, love your husbands. If I'd been writing it, I would have put it in there. Wives, love your husbands. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Maybe God knew. He's omniscient. Maybe God knew if we would love our wives like we should, it would take care of itself. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. I want to take a few moments tonight, and I want to talk to you about parked cars and vacuums. Parked cars and vacuums. I heard a story one time about a group of men who arrived in heaven. They got to heaven, and they met Peter, and Peter said, here's what I want us to do, men. He said, all of you men who were the spiritual leaders of your home, you were the leaders of your home, I want you to get in a line on the right side. But he said, uh, all of you men who weren't the spiritual leaders of your home, I want you to get in line, but I want it to be on the left side, the left line. All the men immediately lined up on the left side. But there was one frail little guy. He got in the, li he got in the line on the right. And Peter said to him, my friend, you're in the line with the leaders. You're in the line with the men who were spiritual leaders who led their homes. What merits you being in this line? He said to Peter, leave me alone. I'm just standing where my wife told me. <laughs> now, you know, folks, the Bible is pretty clear. This is what I know. The, the, the Word of God, I just believe it from the beginning to maps. It's the Word of God. Whether we believe it or not, it's still the Word of God. Somebody said, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. But that's not true. If God said it, that settles it, whether we believe it or not. It's forever settled in heaven. It's the Word of God, folks. So if we're going to get our homes in order, we, the answer's not Oprah. The answer's not Hollywood. The answer's not Washington. The answer's not Dr. Phil. The answer's the Word of God. It's doing what the Bible teaches. And see, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And the Bible says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. And the Bible says, the husband is the head of the wife. He's the leader. Now, now here's what I know. This is most of our marriages. Every marriage I know, folks, every marriage, you say, well, Pastor Benny, we got a, we got a marriage that's made in heaven. So thunder and lightning. Amen? Sure it is. Every marriage has its ups and downs. Let me tell you what commitment is. If you're writing, write this down. This may be the best thing I say. Commitment is being willing to be unhappy for a while. We live in a world, I have men come to me all the time. I have women come to me. I'm just not happy anymore. Well, who is happy all the time? Who is happy? I, I never read where God was so concerned about us being happy. God's very concerned about us being holy. 
That's what God's concerned about in your life. That's what he's concerned about in my life. But here's our marriages, and there's some dirt and there's some impurities in our marriages. But the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And when we take the dirtiness of our marriages and we apply the washing of water by the word, this is what happens. The more the word of God that you apply to your marriage, the more of the word of God that you apply to your life, the clearer it will get. You say, I need my life. I need it better, Brother Benny. Just keep applying the Word of God. Just keep applying the teachings of the Word of God. God didn't give us the Bible to increase our knowledge. God gave us the Bible to change our lives. God didn't give you the Bible. God didn't give me the Bible to increase our knowledge. He gave us the Bible to change our lives. Now, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that we ought to follow the dictates of the Word of God. But here's something I know. A woman, no matter who she is, she can't follow a parked car. She can't follow a parked car. If the husband doesn't lead, she can't follow him. And I begin to think, why don't men lead? See, folks, every problem we've got, somebody said our country's out of order. Our churches are out of order. It's only because our homes are out of order. That's, that's the problem. So why don't men lead? Number one, many times a man won't lead because he lacks confidence. He lacks confidence. His self-esteem may be damaged. He may have had a failure in his life. It may even be traced back to childhood, but he just lacks confidence. He may have heard, had words that literally destroyed his self-esteem. He lacks confidence. Second reason why men don't lead is his mother was in charge. His mother was in charge. He grew up and he was raised by a mother that was in charge. You know, it's a proven fact that young girls marry men like their fathers. That's why mothers cry at weddings. Number three, his wife won't allow him to lead. She simply won't allow him to lead the family, just won't allow him to be the leader of the home. Number four is unruly children. Unruly children. Simply put, the mother doesn't allow the father to discipline the children. Children have no discipline. In essence, Mom's not running the home. The children are running the home. And they're running the home instead of the father running the home. The mother's not running home. The children are running the home. Number five, he has a passive personality. He has a passive personality. He's a sweet person, but he can't be stern. He can't be stern. Let me tell you something, folks. Sometimes in life, you have to be stern. If you're going to lead... Your favorite color can't be plaid. Sometimes you have to step up and make a decision. See, what is commitment? Commitment's making a decision and then having the courage to stand behind that decision. You say, well, I, I'm commitment. I've made a decision. No, no, no. That's not commitment. Commitment's making a decision and then having the courage to stand behind it. And then number six, he never had a role model and his wife didn't either. 
He never had a role model, and his wife didn't either. I never had a role model in my physical life. I never had a father. I never used the word daddy. So, so I didn't have a role model, but my wife did. And my wife's parents sat down with her before we was going to get married. The night before, actually, they talked her out of marrying me. And they sat down and they said, Barbara, let's ex explain. We've checked his mother out. His mother ran taverns. His mother ran bars. He's not for sure who his father is. We really don't want you getting in a family like that. And then Barbara's mother said to her, something else, Barbara. My dad was a preacher. Your grandfather was a preacher. And my mother sacrificed greatly because your grandfather preached. You got to understand when you're marrying him, there's a probability that he's going to be gone more than he's going to be home. And can you handle that? They said, no, we don't want you to do it. But if you choose to do it, this young man that you're marrying, 19 years old, the moment you marry him on July the 3rd, 1984, right after you say I do to him, he's your leader. We're no longer your leader. Your daddy's not your spiritual leader. The moment you say I do to him, he immediately becomes your spiritual leader. Now, folks, here, what I just said to you is what the Word of God teaches. Even in 2018, it's what the Word of God teaches. I hear all these remarks. Oh, he may be the head, but I'm the neck that turns the head. Listen to him closely. <laughs> Even in 2018, it's still the Bible. It's still the Word of God. Now, what can a lady do? What can a wife do for that husband that won't lead? And let me tell you something, folks. I've probably been asked this question more than any question in ministry by women. Many, I, Pastor, I want to submit. I, I want to follow what the Bible teaches. But what can I do if he just won't step up to the plate and lead? Let me give you some simple principles. I, I think they'll be helpful. Number one, attention to listening. Attention to listening. You know, the Bible says in James 1 and 19, let us be swift to hear. Let us be swift to hear. That means to, to listen. I think there's a reason why that God gave us uh, two ears and one mouth. Larry King said, I never learned anything while I was talking. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 and 6, Sarah obeyed Abraham. That means she paid close attention to Abraham. That means she listened to Abraham. Now, let me make three quick observations. Observation number one, sometimes just listen. Sometimes just listen. Did you know a lady will use 25,000 words a day? 25,000 words a day. Well, how many will a man use, Pastor? 12,500. On average, a lady will use 25,000. A man, 12,500. I told that to one lady, and she pulled me off after the service. She said, uh, you know why that is, don't you, Pastor? You know why a lady has to use double the amount of words that a man does? I said, no, no, tell me. She said, everything she tells her husband, she has to tell him twice. <laughs> you know what I've learned? 
Sometimes just listen. What I've learned, if a man has a problem, sometimes he just wants somebody to listen. Sometimes he just wants somebody to listen. I, I'm not advocating it, but I believe, I believe a man is drawn to somebody who will just listen. Just listen. I, not necessarily fix it. Not necessarily fix it, but just listen to the problem. You know, there's a great responsibility on men, and men have a lot of struggles. I've often thought about through the years of 28 years being the pastor of Rock Springs Church. 28 years. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, how do you stay 28 years in one place? How'd you do it? When I wanted to leave, I just stayed. That's what I wanted to do. When I wanted to leave, I just stayed. When the people wanted me to leave, I just stayed. I figured it was easier for them to move their membership than me to move my furniture. I just stayed. <laughs> get real. A stamp will get their membership and take a U-Haul to move me. But, you know, I've had some struggles, and through the years, sometimes I'll be trying to prepare a message, and I'll be struggling about what God would have me to preach, what would have me to preach. And I'll say to Barbara, Barbara, I'm struggling. I've often thought, what if Barbara said to me, I'll tell you what, I'll stop by the church. We'll get those commentaries out. I'll find you three points. I can alliterate it just like you. We'll call it A-A-A. And we'll end with a poem. I will throw you some jokes in there. I can do it. You don't have to sweat. You know what I'd want to do? I'd want to just slap her in Jesus' name. Amen? <laughs> I don't want her to fix it. I don't need her to fix it. I don't need her to fix me. What I need Barbara to say is this. Honey, I appreciate your struggle. I appreciate your struggle. But I know this. You'll get it. You'll get it. And you'll get the message that the people need to help them. What does a man need? He needs a woman just to listen to him and give appreciation for his struggle and then affirmation that he can handle it. There's a second thing a man needs. Don't shut down his ideas. Don't shut down his ideas. This is real close to home to me. I know a man and his wife that every time he mentions something, you can't do that. That won't happen. Let me tell you something. You destroy a man with that. You can never do that. You can never be like him. So, well, Pastor Benny, he, he quit talking to me. Yeah, but he used to. He used to. Till you shut down every idea that he had. And when you shut down a man's ideas, he'll quit talking to you. Third thing I'd say, when he shares his heart, keep it confidential. When he shares his heart, keep it confidential. Through the years, I've had men come to me and say, Pastor, I won't be back. I'm not coming back to church. And I'd say, I sure do. I don't want that. I don't want people to leave the church. I don't. I, I want them to stay at Rock Springs. I, I can be transparent with you. I take it very personal when people leave. It hurts me deeply. Hurts me deeply when people leave. But this man that comes to my mind even right now, he said, I won't be back. And I said, I love you. I could call his name. I can see his face. And he said, no, pastor, it's got nothing to do with you. He said, see, my wife's talked to everybody in the church, all the ladies in the church about our problems. Things that I shared from the bottom of my heart, she shared with women. And he said, I can't come back. 
I can't come back. See, the Bible says confess your faults one to another. There's nothing biblical about you walking into the crowd telling 25 people what's going on. Nothing biblical about that. You say, oh, people can keep secrets. They can keep a secret, but the people they tell it to can't. <laughs> See, think about this. Hypothetically, what if your husband's got a picture of you and you're dressed in a manner that's only appropriate for your husband? Or maybe you're not dressed. But it's a picture you'd only want in the hands of your husband. What if your husband went around showing that to his buddies? You know what? You'd say, Pastor Benny, that's ultimate betrayal. That's just how he feels when he bears his soul to you and you tell Sally and Lisa and Jane, Oh, it's quiet in the Presbyterian church. <laughs> but you can't sow seeds when it's windy. Attention to listening. You say, Pastor Benny, I, what can I do? Attention to listening. Let me, let me tell you the second thing you can do. You can allow your husband to lead. Remember the title of the message, Park Cars and Vacuums. Park Cars and Vacuums. What, what God? See, always understand this, folks. God created woman inside the garden. God created man outside of the garden. Man wants to be outside of the garden. Woman's created inside the garden. She's more delicate because she was created inside the garden, and man was created outside the garden. That's why a man will get up in the morning, get out of a warm bed, and get into a cold tree. <laughs> this is too much information, but this is real. The men will tell you this. The men that are real, real men that will tell you this. Sometimes Barbara and I'll be traveling. I'll stop on the side of the road. I'm going to the woods, and she said, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to do that, are you? I said, yeah. Sure. Now, look, every man... That's a real man will tell you he enjoys that. <laughs> Every man that's a real man will say, hey, I'm a pastor. I know what he means. Why? Because he was created outside of the garden. But woman was created inside the garden. You got to understand something. God created Adam outside the garden. What did he do? Look what Genesis 2 and 15 says. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. What did he do? He put man in a place and said, lead. Not one time in the Bible does God have to, did God tell man, lead. God never said to a man, lead your family. 
God never said to a man, lead your wife. God never said to a man, lead. Because, see, it's just natural. It's inside of a man. It's inside of a man. And if he can't, if he can't lead at home, he'll go to where he works and he'll lead. He'll go to the Rotary Club and he'll lead. He'll go somewhere and he'll lead because that's how God made a man. He's a man. It's natural. But let me tell you what's not, what's not natural. Genesis 3:16. Then said he unto the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and pain you will, and in pain you'll give birth, and you will desire to control your husband. What's not natural is for a lady to submit. And personally, folks, I believe this. I believe it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that that takes place. Now, you said, you're talking about providing this vacuum. Uh, providing this vacuum. What, what, what's some practical things I can do? Here's a practical thing you can do. You can say to your husband, when you're faced with a decision, honey, what do you think we should do? Honey, what do you think we should do? And in some of your marriages, after he gets up off the floor from fainting, he'll tell you. Sometimes in our marriages, spiritually, the, the woman's farther along than the man was. Barbara's mother was farther along than her dad was spiritually because he got right with God later in life. She was farther along. And sometimes a woman's farther along and they're together and the woman will pray and say, God, you're Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. You're Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. God, you're Jehovah Shalom, my peace. God, you're Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. God, you're Jehovah Rapha, my healer. And then she'll say to that husband, now do you want to pray? I wouldn't pray either. I know you've got that knowledge, but sometimes we need to reel that in. Provide a vacuum. Let, let me tell you the third thing you can do. Admire your husband. Look what Ephesians 5 and 33 says. It says, see that the wife reverence her husband. Admire your husband. Remember the, the first reason why men don't lead? The first reason why they don't have the confidence they're not confident. And so how can you build that confidence? Through admiration. And you look for things to admire about your husband. His love for God. His love for the children. The fact that he works hard. His, his, his physical strength. You say, well, Pastor Benny, he, he doesn't have a lot of physical strength. Well, you can always say, hey, hey honey, you made it up the stairs. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Number four, always pray for him. Always pray for him. L let me tell you something, folks. God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. And if we want to change a man, the only way we can change a man is allow God to change a man. And the only way God's going to change our man is through prayer. Luke 18 says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So the context is prayer. There was in a city a judge which feared God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him and said, avenge me of my adversary. 
And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I don't fear God, I regard man. But this woman just keeps coming back. This woman just keeps coming back. And God changed the man's heart. God changed the man's heart. What can a woman do for a man who won't lead? I shared. Now, let me, let me hit this real fast. Men, how can I become the leader? Get this down. How can I become the leader that I need to be? I want to, Pastor. I'm not, but I want to. How can I do it? Word number one is courage. Word number one is courage. Look at Genesis chapter 3. I want to show you something that, that I don't know if you've ever noticed. Genesis chapter 3, I don't know if I even have it up there, but I've got it in my Bible here. Genesis chapter 3, something very interesting. Verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Get this down, folks. Get this. Come up. When Satan came to the woman, he said, Is that really what God said? And let me tell you something. 6,000 years later, he'll, he'll run that same track and he'll say, is that really what the Bible says? He hadn't changed. Is that, no, that's, that's Benny's philosophy. Is that really what the Bible says? That's what the devil will say to you. That's what the devil will say to me. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God have said you shall not eat, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, you shall be as God. Your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. Get this, folks. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Get this down. You know what I always thought? I thought this for years. I thought Adam was out working in the garden, and this snake comes and deceives the woman. How many of you would say, Pastor Benny, that's exactly what I thought? Sure, sure. That's what I thought. But then I read the entire sixth verse, and look what it says. It says, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. While this snake was talking to his wife, he was standing right there. But he didn't have the courage to speak up. Am I in the book? I'm telling you, folks, he stood right there but didn't have the courage to speak up. So if we're going to become the leader that we need to be in our homes, some of us need to say, honey, I'm sorry. I have neglected my God-given responsibility, but I want to be the biblical leader of my home. I'm asking you to forgive me 
I don't want to be like Adam, a Caesar milk toast. I want to be like Joshua who said, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. So, folks, we're going to become the leader. It takes courage. You say, but Brother Minnie, you don't understand. I'm scared. Let me tell you what courage is. To quote the great theologian John Wayne, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Second thing I want you to see is compassion. Compassion. Look what Colossians 3.18 says. Colossians 3.18, it's a, it's a beautiful verse. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, now look. It teaches us to, to love our wives, but, but I never noticed this until this week, digging in and doing some study. But it says, be not bitter against them. That means irritated or harsh with. Be not irritated or harsh with. I'm going to be just transparent with you. I've messed up a lot in this area. I can come to church and somebody will pull me off and say, Pastor, I need to talk with you. I say, okay. Music's way too loud. Let me look into it. I walk a little further and somebody pulls me off and says, Pastor, I need to talk with you. Church is way too hot. Temperature. I say, let me look into it. Somebody else will pull me off and they'll say, Pastor, my Sunday school teacher is just very boring. I said, well, let me, let, me, let me look into it. Somebody pulled me off and said, well, now, I was watching streaming last week, and right in the middle of it, Pastor, right in the middle of your point, the streaming stopped. And I'll say, uh, let me look into it. And then I'll get home, and Barbara will say, Benny, what about this? And I'll say, what's your problem? <laughs> Is that where we live? Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. What does that mean? It means to get irritated or to speak harshly. Let me, let me tell you something, folks. You know, it was Moses who said, thou shalt not kill, remember? But he was the guy who killed the Egyptian and buried him. So just because a man preaches doesn't mean he's got it all down. And I wish I'd heard this advice from Dr. A.T. Stewart years ago. Said years ago that, see, sometimes, hypothetically, you're at church and perhaps your wife says, uh, I was at church and so-and-so didn't speak to me. And you respond like I would probably respond. Oh, they probably didn't see you. They probably didn't see you. There was nothing to that. You don't, you don't need to worry about it. But you know what love is? Love's unmerited favor. And you know, if I could go back and do my life over, this is what I'd say. If my wife said to me, you know, so-and-so walked by and they didn't even speak to me, you know what I'd say? Well, honey, they shouldn't have done that. See, folks, I hadn't always done that. My attitude has been, oh, they probably didn't see you. And every time I did that, I said to my wife, you're not number one. But I was wrong. 
But what I should have said is, well, honey, they shouldn't have done that. And you know what happened? A few days will always pass, and your wife will say, you know, I've been thinking about it. They might have not even seen me. And then you say, well, you know, I bet they didn't. But it's so important in your marriage that you show compassion. Hey, get real, man. All you're told to do is love your wife. Courage, compassion, competence. Matthew 7 and 29 says, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let me share with you, folks. If you're going to be the leader that God wants you to be, you've got to constantly be growing. It's hard to respect somebody who's not competent. Courage, compassion, competence. Number four, character. Character. You can get to the top quicker without character, but you can't stay at the top without character. You can get to the top quicker without it, but you won't last without character. And a wife needs to know that he's seeking God. Lastly, consistency. Consistency. If you've lost credibility, it takes a while to get it back. Our musicians are coming, but I want to show you something. In Psalms 133, I want you to get this, folks. Families, I want you to get this because this is how I'm ending the family series. I want you to get this. Men, I want you to get this. Ladies, I want you to get this. I want you to get it. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What does God want in my marriage? What does God want in your marriage? He wants unity. That's what he wants in our family. He wants unity in our family. He wants unity in your family. He wants unity in my family. Truett Cathy said he taught fifth grade boys, First Baptist Church, Jonesboro. And he said he would take prayer requests. And he said the number one request was, Mr. Truett, fifth grade boys, what's your request, son? We just want the fussing. I just want the fussing to stop in our home. I just want the fussing to stop in our home. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. It's talking about when a high priest is anointed with oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. I don't care who your boss is. If you want the blessing of God on your life, you've got to get under his authority. You say, well, Brother Benny, I can't get under his authority. Get you another job. It's biblical. The anointing ran down. Look, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even forevermore. 
Here's what I'm saying to you, men. If I am not the man that I need to be, I'm hindering blessings on my family because the blessing of God runs down. Myself as the leader, the blessing of God runs down through my wife and through my children and through my grandchildren. The blessing of God flows down and it's all dependent upon whether or not I'm the man that I need to be in the sight of God. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then see, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.